Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Grim Scenarios, a Blood on the Clock Tower strategy podcast, hosted by myself, Milk, and as always, my co-host, Emma. Hello, Emma. Hey, Milk, how's it going on this beautiful Wednesday morning? Uh, it is another fine and dandy Wednesday morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and it is definitely not nighttime. It is definitely Wednesday morning. How are you on this uh, fine and dandy Wednesday? I see that uh, I see that you uh, uh, maybe aren't, oh, aren't, aren't, doing... aren't as nearby as usual. I'm doing great wrong... this Wednesday morning. You can tell that because if you're recording this at some other time, like a Monday of this week, my camera would be off. My voice would be a little tired. It'd be like I had woken up five at 5 a.m. in Minnesota and then flown to Phoenix and worked a full day of Phoenix after landing in Phoenix at 9. It would just be ridiculous. But it's Wednesday, so my camera's on. I'm happy and full of joy. Those all sound like true uh, statements. Uh, we definitely haven't been affected by the Vortox here. And the Vortox is one of the demons on our script for this week. Emma, uh, Sects and Violets. Do you want to say anything about the script before we get into the old uh, scenario? Yeah. So we're, we're moving on from TV. We did two weeks of TV. We're doing two weeks of SNV now. We're doing two weeks of BMR. And SNV introduces a lot of new strategic things for both teams to pay attention to. First is, of course, the new keyword, Madness which is absent from the other two base scripts. It's only on SMV and future expansions. Um, second, of course, in SMV, you have the function that players can change characters mid-games and not because of their team deciding to change characters, like they can in, with the Imps movement in TV. The other team can forcibly change your character, uh, and that goes for both sides, because the Snake Charmer and the Philosopher Snake Charmer are good characters. The Barber and the Pitag and the Fangdu are controlled by Eden. And of course, the other thing that makes this is if you look at the, if you think about the TV script versus the SNV script, on the TV script, there's a lot of roles on TV that don't gain any information whatsoever. Whereas on SNV, literally every single townsfolk gains information. Every single one of them, which means for both teams, there's just a lot of information they need to manage and dodge. I think when we talk about, um, you know, the base three scripts, Trouble Brewing is a very balanced script. It has social elements. It has mechanical elements. I think Sex and Violets is a very mechanical script. There's a lot of information out there. It is possible to end up in mechanically solvable or mechanically solved games of Sex and Violets. And um, and as you as you may have seen, uh, you know, uh, last week in our in our games on Tuesday night, uh, sometimes sex and violence is just going to do sex and violence stuff. Sometimes it's just going to be solvable. And that's just that's just part of SNV. That's part of having so much information to combat that. The evil characters on sex and violence are incredibly powerful. They're some of the most powerful of the base characters. Um, the pit hag being able to just change characters at will largely the Saranovis locking out information or potentially gaining kills uh, the witch which i think is a pretty underrated character um being able to just get free kills for the evil team um, something uh, that doesn't happen on trouble brewing which can happen um in sects and violets is we can have multiple deaths in the night or a death in the day that's an extra death. So um, those are things we have to watch out for. Similarly, the demons, the demons are incredibly powerful. The Vortox 
negates all or uh, falsifies all information and while that might be solvable it is difficult to solve at times the nodashi poisons two characters the vigor mortis can keep powerful minions like the Serenovus and the pit hag uh in play by killing them and get the bonus of poisoning and everybody's favorite the fangu can just create another evil by jumping to an outsider so this is a very powerful evil script yeah, and the other thing I think that is underrated sometimes in switching from Trouble Brewing to Sex and Violets or BMR, and I don't think it really matters whether you jump to BMR as your second script or Sex and Violets, I think there's good arguments for going both ways, is the change from having one demon to four demons, and four demons that require you to solve the game in different ways, is a big deal. Like, yeah. it's... On Trouble Brewing, you... The demon's always an it. You don't have to spend a time trying to think, what type of game are we playing? What type of demon are we fighting? What type of world do we need to be building? Whereas in SMV, you need to be thinking about that all the time. How does this information work if it's a Vortex world? How does this information work if it's an Odashi world? How does it work if it's a Vig world? How does it work if it's a Fengu? The, the, the variability in the demons who all have hugely different effects on particularly the sorts of misinformation that are in the game. Um is really important and yep. it makes it much trickier for the good team which is balanced against against the good team getting tons of powerful information which is something i assume both scenarios play will emphasize i don't know anything about milk scenario milk doesn't know anything about my scenario as uh, always we're going to right into that we're going uh, to Milk's try to defeat each other run a scenario for me first this is going to be our good perspective for the week i'm going to be good i'm going to solve the game Let's... And then I'm going to run a scenario for Milk where Milk will be evil because that's his nature. That's my nature. Let's go to the Grim, Emma. I think that's a, I think that's a thing we should say every week as well because uh, I like that. Uh, Emma, I, I am gonna, I'm going to give you a chance to play as a good role because I know that you're a player that loves to be on the good team and to solve the game for good, to be a powerful force for solving the game for good. But... You know, since Sex and Violets does come with an instant loss no, condition in the clutch. Can I just interrupt clutch? you for a oh, second? Yeah. Are you claiming that I'm going to be the Snake Charmer? Because it sounds like you're going to make me the Snake Charmer. You're going to be the Snake Charmer in Seat 7, Emma. Emma, everybody, <laughs> is going to be the uh, Snake Charmer down here in Seat 7. And our game is also going to come with a Klutz win condition, which is if you Snake Charm the Demon, you lose. What do you think about that? Nice. If I snake charm the demon, I lose. You lose. Your goal here is to help the good team by using your ability. Now, well, if I snake charm the demon, that also helps the good team. Now, now we we might we might talk about what happens if you snake charm the demon. We certainly will. But we're going to hope that you manage to use this powerful townsfolk ability to snake charm lots of players who aren't the demon and solve the scenario. That's what we're hoping. We'll see how it goes. Okay. All right, Emma. Are you ready? Are you ready for your scenario? So uh, you are, of course, uh, woken on night one. I'm I'm gonna take it easy on you. I'm gonna give you a little break here. Uh, on night one, you are you are in seat seven, and on night one, you snake charm the player in seat one and do not become the demon. Okay, I snake charmed seat one and did not become the demon. That's correct. So I'm giving you that one for free. No no random night one snake charmings here. We're not gonna have that happen. Okay. As soon as town wakes up on day one, the players in seat one and seat two declare that they are both the clockmaker and that they are twins. 
fascinating. So we have a clockmaker twin pair. You have a clockmaker um, twin pair. All right, cool. And they go fun. off and talk to each other before town. Anyone else in town can get a word in. They go oh, off and I talk to each other. I was hoping to ask to talk to both of them at the same time. So it's a bummer they've already run yeah, off. Yeah, they've already. Unfortunately, they've already run off. Maybe you can. Maybe you can catch them. Catch them later in the day. Um, okay. You immediately get a ping from uh, the player in seat twelve. Okay. I'll take it. Yep. And so you head off to talk to the player in seat 12 and the player in seat 12 says, uh, I am going to, I will hard claim my role to you um, in exchange for your hard claim. What do you say? All right. So they want a hard claim for a hard claim. They want to trade a hard claim for a hard claim. So what do you say? Yeah, sure. I'll trade a hard claim for a hard claim. All right. Uh, they claim Dreamer. Ooh, fun. Uh, so there's two choices you can really do here as a snake trend. That's right. Um, there's obviously the choice where, um, you know, you hide your role. This is called the, I'm going to try to win with Eagle Snake. Um, and it's a pretty common one. Yep. It's called uh, hedging your bets. <laughs> it's called hedging your bets. Uh, the other one is, of course, just to tell people you're the Snake Charmer and go from there. Uh, which is called, you're going to lose if you hit the demon. That's right. Uh, like, there's very little chance of you winning the game as evil if you tell people you're the snake charmer. Now, I'm speaking to someone who's claimed Dreamer, who wanted to talk to me immediately, which means there's a good chance that they dreamt me and are trying to see if it's a Vortox game. All right. So, I'm going to say, all right, if you claimed a Dreamer, did you dream me last night? I want to know. No, I didn't dream you last night. I want to find someone to dream tonight. Interesting. Okay. If they are claiming not to have dreamed me, I will tell them I'm the mutant. All right. No, I won't do that. That's something <laughs> I would do in a real game, but it's not something That's that makes a lot of sense. That's not a good strategy here. <laughs> I think it is actually a better strategy than people think. It's not a bad one. What's the benefit? Let's just say, what's the benefit of claiming an outsider in this situation? Uh, what's the benefit of claiming an outsider is it's funny. It's always funny, um, and it's something I do. So that's the, it's a social thing. Uh, the other thing is, I don't like being fangujoed. Fair enough. <laughs> not, not even um, not even really argument to there. <laughs> I do so. <laughs> I want to live. I want to live, and I don't want to be fangu jumped. So if you play an outsider and it's a fangu game, you might scare the fangu away from attacking you. Yep, that's fair. But I'm not gonna actually do that because that's not really. That's just me being funny not that's that's you being emma and having some fun yeah. not necessarily uh, a good strategy for the viewers at home to follow right away I, uh, i'm gonna claim to be the mathematician you claim to be the mathematician okay and the dreamers uh, the dreamer says okay uh i don't want to share my info so i won't ask for your info okay cool all right and you you leave you leave the conversation and go back to town uh the player in seat five uh also is interested in speaking to you uh, if you're if you're if you're available, and since there doesn't seem to be anybody else around, you talk to the player in yeah, seat. Sure, five. I'll talk to seat five. Seat five claims to be the juggler and asks what you would like to be juggled as. Oh, I'm gonna tell them they can juggle me as a snake charmer, but they're gonna get it. Okay. Uh, so the player in seat five says uh, has claimed to be the juggler, and you have said that you can juggle me as the snake charmer, but you're going to get it wrong. Yep. All right, and they say, do you want to 
give me a role that I can juggle you with that I'll get you, that I'll get right? No, I say no. Um, and the reason I'm going to say no is because I think for a juggler, they don't really care whether they get an actual role or not. They get a, they care if they're getting a role that they're expecting a one or a zero. Uh -huh. It's nice to get five ones, but it's not super important to them. What's more important to them is knowing the numbers they get. And again, as a snake charm, you probably want to hedge your bets a little bit. Yeah. So um, I want to avoid... Uh, uh, so again, this is hedging my bets. So I'm gonna say you're gonna. I'm, you can juggle me as a snake charm. You're gonna get it wrong, and hopefully they'll believe me. And hopefully then when they juggle me and as a snake charm and get one, if they go that route, they'll think something else is wrong and they won't look at me. Sounds as actually being the snake charmer. Sounds fair. Uh, so they say, okay, great. Um, I'm like you know, I'll I'll juggle you as the snake charmer. Um, and then they, uh, and then they, they go back to, you know, they go back to town. You go back to town. You can catch either seat uh, eight or seat two today uh, for this next chat. I was really hoping to get both seat one and two, but I'll go talk to seat two. Yeah, seat one seems to be elsewhere. Okay, you go and talk to seat two. What do you, what do you want to ask them? They say, hey, I'm a I clockmaker. Want... I'm a twin. I want to know the clock numbers. Uh, this clockmaker, the clockmaker in seat two, will tell you that their clockmaker number is a two. Do they know seat one's clockmaker? They number? say seat one is claiming that the clockmaker number is a three. Interesting. Those are super cool because they're one off and the twins are sat next to each other. Mm-hmm. So, because, but oh, it's not quite right. The yeah, clockmaker, the cool. clockmaker in seat two seems really concerned with convincing you that they're the good one. Yeah, I don't really care. That's what twins are going to do. It's not my job to solve the twins. It's someone else's job to solve the twins. That's probably they true. They both be evil too, but they're probably not. They're probably. They're probably. So I'm just going to mark down a bunch of people who could be the demon based off those clockmaker numbers. So that's seat eleven and seat three based off the seat two clockmaker number and that's seat 11 and seat five five based off the seat one clockmaker number that mm -hmm. sounds pretty cool assuming that the closest assuming that the closest minion is of course one of the clockmakers yeah yeah but twins. like this sets like these set the maximum distance the demon can correct be. assuming that these twins are telling the truth assuming that one of them is actually a minion no person closer than that can be the demon from each respective twin. Yep, that's that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's good, and it's good mechanics to use. Um, when you go back to town, uh, you have an option between talking to seat eight or seat six. I'm gonna talk to seat eight. Okay, seat eight uh, would like to do a three for three with you. Interesting. So in real life, I don't really do three for threes. They're a common technique. They actually, they develop an in-person play for the simple reason that the evil team has three bluffs. So when you're evil, you want to be to show the your minions the three bluffs you got. So when you're good, you also want to give three rolls to mimic the three bluffs you got. Because you're physically pointing at your character sheet saying, this one, this one, this one. You want to be to say that to your minions to show them the three bluffs and to do, but you also want that to not be to tell your evil. So that's where the three. There are a few stages uh, that I think players go through with 
bluffing roles as various different characters, whether good or evil. The first stage is three for threes, where you just give three roles, and one of those three roles is your role, and you just are trying to obfuscate a little bit what what role you have. And then the next stage is giving two for twos, which you still often see veteran players giving two for twos to one another and kind of, you know, hedging a little bit, but basically, you know, giving a two for two. And then there's hard claims where you just claim your role straight to each other. And then after a while, you do those things, but just don't put your actual role in them. And you start to realize that it's just not necessarily worth giving three roles when you can just bluff one. If you're going to just lie, just lie about one thing. It's easier. I mean, and I, I don't... Milk says that very prescriptively, and I disagree that there's, like, a prescriptiveness to this. Yeah, there's not. There, there's, like, all sorts of different strategies to bluffing. The important thing with bluffing isn't, like, how many roles you give or whether you give your truth or your lie. It's that you bluff with purpose. Like, right. you don't want to just be nonsensical every day of the game, every day, you, every time you play. You don't want to make it so it's entirely unreliable for anyone to talk to you. You want your bluffs to have some sort of meaning behind them. You want them to be things that you give to be interesting. Now, in I don't like giving three for threes. In person, online, it's not something that I find enjoyable. I don't remember the third um, role, usually. Like, I... Because, like, it, it's not something that I find super conducive to helping me on either team. I agree. Uh, I'll do twos, or I'll do hard As evil, people sort of tend to push you into a minion box, because they think, well, you're trying to look... Like you don't have a you don't have a bluff. You're trying yep. to hedge your bets. You don't maybe you haven't talked to your demon yet. If you're doing it as good, you're just sort of putting misinformation out into the world, which some players like doing that. It's not personally what how I find fun. Like if I'm gonna put out misinformation, I'd rather just lie about my heart. Yeah. Um. So, but Cena has asked for a three for three, and I'll let him give me three rolls. Okay. Uh, Cena is gonna give you Sage, Town Crier, or Flower Girl. What three would you Save? like to give, or what would you like to give back? Town Crier or Flower Girl. That's an interesting three. That's a super interesting three. And the reason it's an interesting three is because they've given me one of the more powerful information roles, one of the higher priority demon kills. That's the Flower Girl. Um, one of the probably the weakest, and then the probably two weakest townsfolk roles, the Town Crier and the Sage. But one of those, of course, is something the demon doesn't want to kill, where the other one is something the demon does want. And why would you construct a why would you construct a three for three like this? Since we're talking a little bit about bluffing as a good player and or you know in general as a as a as a kind of player in either scenario, why would those be three good things to give? The idea between a bluff by that is is you want the demon to be unsure whether they want to kill you or not. And yep. the reason for that is if they're unsure whether they want to kill you or not, and you're the flower girl, maybe you get to stay alive longer. If you're the sage, maybe. Maybe they get confused and kill you because they think you're bluffing as the flower girl. Like, that's the sort of reason. You could Again, simplify I, it. Sorry, you could simplify it down to just flower girl and sage, right? Yeah, town crier is not doing much for that bluff, which is another reason why. Like, if this player is the town crier, I'm not sure why they've given flower girl and sage as their other two. Fair enough. It's um, probably, probably a useful reason. But, like, it, it, to me, like, this is sort of why I just, like, a three for three, it just sort of feels like three rolls that don't really give me much of a read on them. So we'll uh, just go ahead and mark So in response, I'm going to tell them that I'm the Snake Charmer. Oh, you're going to tell them you're the Snake Charmer. Okay. Yeah. But in like a sort of dismissive tone, as if I don't really care for the three they gave me. 
so. All right. Uh, they say they'll narrow. They, they, can... they say they'll narrow it down if you give them a serious claim. All right. They they say they're the sage or the flower girl. I say that's the same claim you already gave me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell them that I'm the uh, seamstress. Spent seamstress. Okay, great. Uh, and then uh, you get gonged back to town, uh, and so everybody comes back to the town square. You've had a nice, you've had a nice chat. Uh, a number of a number of players juggle. Uh, there's, you know, a, a variety of of juggles of various different people as the demon or minion or things like that. Seat five juggles. Uh, seat one as the evil twin. Seat four as the savant. Seat six as the fangu. Seat 10 as the Philosopher, and seat 11 as the Sage. They do not juggle you in that juggle. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, and then people kind of sit around a bit and don't seem certain who to nominate. Um, but somebody mentions that uh, there's a Vortox on the script, and seat 9 says that they would be willing to die to prevent a, a Vortox win if no one else is available to die. Seat 9 says that? Seat 9 says that. And so seat 12 nominates seat 9, and uh, the vote goes around, and there are enough votes to put seat 9 on the block. Uh, I didn't vote on that, by the way. Yeah, you would not. I, I'm certain you would not vote on that, but enough other players seemed, seemed to want to do so that uh, that it was able to get on the block. We'll say it got six votes and went on the block. Okay, yeah. It's sort of like my thought here is I don't see any interest in killing someone who's willing to die, even on SNB. It's... They're probably good. Like, an evil player can bluff this, but someone who's willing to die is most likely on the good team. Probably um, on the good team. Yeah, I would prefer to kill seat 10, seat 6, or seat 4 here. Okay. Um, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of other interest Actually, in Actually, I'd prefer that. to kill seat 10 or seat 6. Those are the people I think are most likely to be the demon. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of interest in doing that, uh, but you can make a nomination if you want. Uh, seat 9 asks for an ST consult and goes off with the ST for a minute. So they're the artist. Okay, well, we'll just go ahead and put them as the artist then, since that's what you think. And then uh, seat 9 comes back. Uh, do, do you want to try to push a nomination through? Uh, I, uh, what I'm getting from your tone milk is I'm not going to succeed if I try to push a nomination through at seat 10 or seat 6. So I'll pass. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, we'll just say we'll just say you don't have a whole lot of agency here on the first day. Uh, the player in seat nine is executed and dies. Everybody goes to sleep, uh, and in the night, seat five is killed. Uh, but oh, sorry, I forgot. You have to make oh, a you have to make a snake one. charmer pick. Well, I guess it's not going to be seat five. Yeah, uh, you've given me a hint that seat five is not my game loss. That's right. So here's the thing: as we talked earlier with the twin stuff, like. In all likelihood, based off the, all the information we've got today, everyone we've talked to, it's highly unlikely that seat one. We know, highly unlikely that seat one or seat two are the demon. Yeah, well, you, you also snake charm seat. You also snake charm seat one on yeah. uh, seat. seat highly, one. highly unlikely seat two is the demon. Highly unlikely seat twelve is the demon because that would violate seat two's clockmaker number with seat one. Seat three could be the demon. Um, assuming seat one's the minion. Seat four is fairly unlikely to be the demon because seat one has a three, and seat four is seat is two seats away from seat two. Uh, seat eleven could be the demon. 
So we want to avoid seat 11. So we are going to snake charm seat 4 because it's just very hard to build the seat 4 demon world based off the card. Well, Emma, I've got great news for you. You are now the Vortox. Yeah. Cool. Bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, the clockmaker uh, number is Vortoxed, uh, which unfortunately makes that a uh, little bit of protection not such a helpful yeah. uh, there, guy. There was an information here to just acknowledge Vortoxed. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. That one didn't. That one no. didn't go so great. <laughs> no, no worries. Well, let's talk about what happens. Let's talk about what happens now, because um, we. I was actually asked by quite a lot of people to do a snake charmer scenario, and I was specifically asked by a lot of people what happens if you. Uh, what happens if you get the snake charmer? What happens if you get the snake charmer early? What happens if you get the demon token early? Um, oh, seat five is not. So seat five's I mean, not dead. Because I'm, I'm not killing them. Yeah, so seat five's not dead. So let's see. So let's see. Let's see how far we can go. Just talking through this at least, and see how much information you can glean here. So what's what's the play? You've snake charmed the demon. You're now the snake charmer. What are we gonna do? Uh, I'm not killing the snake. Why not? Why don't we kill the snake charmer? This is really important because a lot of people immediately kill the snake charmer. Why don't we yeah, kill the so snake the charmer? The benefit of killing the snake charmer is I know they're on the other team, and it's I don't know who else is on the other team, so that makes them a fun kill. Uh, the downside of it is um, they're going to... I don't want to confirm that what just happened by killing them. That's right. And there's ways up for them to get back on the evil team, and if we have a pit hag, if we have a barber, like there's ways for them to get back on the team. Mm -hmm. So I don't want, so I want to hold that open for them to uh, sort of incentivize them to play nice. All right. Um... A barista could travel in and make them sober. Plenty of ways for <laughs> for this to sure. go well for me if I don't kill them. Very few ways for it to go well for me if I do. Right. As soon as you kill them, they're they're basically confirmed as a good player, and mm -hmm. you know. You're out of luck. Yeah. All uh, right. So, the other thing I want to do is I want to avoid killing into the Vortox worlds based off the clock. We didn't have enough information to detect Vortox yesterday, which is why we snake turned someone who was never the demon in a non-Vortox game and lost. <laughs> but that's going to happen. So... That's you did. Happen. You did travel a very long way today, so we'll we'll take it easy on you. Uh, there was absolutely no way to identify that as a vortex game nope. based on the information. Nope. You would have found out about a day later. Yeah. Uh, so I picked the player who was least likely to do the demon in a non-vortex game, mm -hmm. which unfortunately happened to be the demon in this scenario, which is fine. Very specifically. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna kill into the non-vortex world, so we're gonna kill seat twelve because okay. in a non-vortex game, seat twelve is just never. All right, we're killing seat 12. All right. Uh, so yeah, you wake up uh, on the following, you wake up on the following morning and uh, s the player in seat 12 very loudly uh, says, uh, hey, I have an announcement for everybody. Uh, it's really important. Uh, I was the sage and the demon is either the player in seat 11 or seat eight. And those two players immediately go, oh, no, we're not the demon. 
and uh, the day the day progresses. Uh, there are there are there are a few chats. I don't know how far we want to try to take this. Uh, I don't know how far we want to take this Vortox thing since we were intending to do a good scenario here. <laughs> but fortunately, I I have a I have a backup. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should like run this through. Yeah, we're not gonna we're we not gonna run this bit, through. We can talk a little bit what you do when you snake trap. So, we don't want to confirm the seat four world. That's the main thing we want to do. Seat four, we don't want if they're telling people that there's a Vortox. We don't want to confirm that by ever killing them. We're never touching them. Correct. Um, and we're going to kill into the non-Vortox world first. So we're going to be killing, basically, C 3 and 11 are our next two night deaths, then C5. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep the people who are more likely to be the demon in a non-Vortox world, which are C10, C8, unfortunately, C7, which is me, and C6 alone. Right. And, yeah, basically, you just have to create alternate worlds. That, tr that twin pair is probably going to get resolved, right? Uh, pretty yeah. pretty easily when the snake charmer when the snake charmed demon comes out and says hey I was snake charmed, uh, which they may not do again. Like we don't know if there's a pit head. We don't know if there's. Yep. We don't know what else is on the grim. Because there yesterday we just had the silly artist execution, which is unfortunate. Yep, it just happens. Uh, the artist gives out their information uh, as well, which unfortunately is uh, their question was: uh, Is the demon seated in an even numbered seat? Uh, to which the answer is no. Uh, or which the answer was no yesterday uh, because it's a Vortox world and the demon was seated in seat four. So um, so it does point at you a little bit with the artist information, which is unfortunate. But again, they may solve that it's a Vortox. Yeah, no. You know. I mean, it's highly unlikely to win this game. So yeah, this is this is, rough, this is a rough, this is a this rough, this is a rough snake chart. very hard to win because the evil twin is basically fully neutered now. Whichever one's the evil twin, they're done. Like, it's seat there, two, there's by the a way. Good player, there's a good player who objectively knows who the demon is. So that's done. That's just done. Yeah. Um, I'll just reveal the rest of the Grim for folks uh, who might be wondering what else was out there. Uh, there was a seamstress that would have solved the uh, twins. Uh, they would have gotten a yes on the twin and the mutant in seat eight uh, on day two. Uh, there is a barber in seat six uh, who uh, did not want to die under any circumstances and claimed to be a very bad kill through the entire game. Uh, there is a witch in seat 10 and a, an actual dreamer in seat 11. The players in seat 11 and seat 12 uh, swapped roles. And the clockmaker got a three because Vortox doesn't have to be right. Yep. What was in seat three? Seat three was the seamstress who, uh, who, looked at the, who looked at the player in seat two and the player in seat eight and got a yes. They are on the same team. And there was a potential evil, there was a potential framed evil team of seat eight, seat 11, and seat two in the game. Yeah. There were, there, there was, there, sh there would have been, there would have been very bad savant information coming from the player in seat four, which would have made it a lot easier to solve. Unfortunately, you don't get that savant information on day one. So it is, it yeah. is unfortunate, but you know, this is how it's going to go sometimes, everybody. Sometimes the scenarios, the my one may fall apart. We may have to re-record the whole episode. Who knows? <laughs> No, it's fine. This is this is a good thing. Like, like I said, like we we when I, my feeling with Vortox is that you play as long as if it's not Vortox until you know for a fact that it is. Vortox. Yeah, one hundred percent. And with the clockmaker numbers we had, C four was never the demon. C four was only ever the demon if it was specifically a Vortox. That's right. Which is why we charmed them, and we happened to lose the one in four. That's not that bad. 
Yep. I'm gonna lose this game. But I want to emphasize, we're talking about playing the Snake Charmer for good. Good's gonna win this game. The Snake Charmer played that's for good. <laughs> that's like, right, the Snake Charmer helped. The Snake Charmer didn't play for Emma, but the Snake Charmer played for good. That's right. Which you have to accept that sometimes when you're the Snake Charmer is that your character is a townsman. It helps the good team win. But that yeah. doesn't mean it necessarily helps you win. It helps the good team. And in talking about the mechanics of the Snake Charmer, a lot of that is going to come down to your social reads to some extent. Because it's going to come down to players who you mechanically think are good and also socially seem good to you. And sometimes that's going to mean you Snake Charm the demon. <laughs> yeah, like, and like I said, like, it's with one of your, in, in a Snake Charmer game, as soon as there's a twin, like, it's exceptionally hard for evil to win the snake charm game and after a snake charming if there's a twin yeah like to the degree where like if it was night one if i was running a game and it was night one and i wake a snake charmer and they hit the demon i'm gonna go to the evil twin and be like hey i'm changing you into this other minion for reasons yep i'm just gonna like it's gonna be more fun for the game if you do that like uh, putting uh the twin in there after a snake charming is just not fun Another thing that a lot of people talk about and uh, some storytellers uh, have started doing um, is running the Snake Charmer and the Philo Snake Charmer, which we're not talking about here, but it's essentially the same issue, is running them before minion and demon information on the first night. Um, yeah, but I don't the Let's not get yeah. into house rules and homebrew stuff. Yeah, it's just something that, that is discussed often in the community and you may hear people say. The better thing to do as a storyteller is to try to make the game fun from the perspective that you still have the ability to adjust it, right? Yeah. The evil twin's gonna know that there's not an evil twin in play. If if a, if a minion, if the evil twin were a different minion, they would have known that there's not an evil twin in play. Yeah, like, but it, it's like the evil twin's power is that there's not a good player who knows who they are. Yeah, exactly. And as soon like, as a good the, player the, knows it, who they are, it's pretty like much this, the game. This setup, it's, it, evil's not gonna win. Like no, after the Snake Charmer with just a witch hard. and a, with just a witch and the evil twin, it's just impossible for you. Yeah, if you had like, a pit hag, impossible. you could do something. There's, if, there's stuff you can you do know. with a pit hag. There's stuff you can do with a Saranovus. Even the Saranovus can lock down that ex demon, prevent them from yep. saying anything under threat of execution, and they can keep it on them even after that Snake Charmer is dead. Yeah, but there's just um, not there's just not very much you can do. Right, the the ability for this world. on this setup for the evil team to disrupt at this point is basically gone. Yeah, like and the witch is going to get killed. Yeah, the witch is gonna die instantly, and then the evil twin the will get killed. The witch is gonna kill, and then the evil twin's gonna get. And then you're basically. And then it's just me. And, and then you're basically on your own. Time. Yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty bad shape here. You know, a later snake charming can do more, but. Eh. Yeah. An well, early snake charming is an early snake. Charming. Yeah, well, an early snake charming. That was fun. <laughs> well, that was fun. Guess I guess I'm guess I'm glad I wrote down these like three pages of information. Probably probably play more off the uh, cuff next time, but. All right, well, Emma, why don't we, I guess we'll go to the intermission screen and talk about what yeah, we're going to do. Yeah, let's go to the intermission screen. We'll switch and we'll run the yeah. evil scenario. That's right, we'll switch and we'll run the evil scenario. See, you got some good, you got some good scenario. You got a whole day of good here. It's very positive. All right, let's go. Oh, wait, this is the, this is the wrong one. Hold on.
All right, welcome back, everybody. I'm in the I'm in the uh, player seat now, and Emma's in the storyteller seat, and Emma's got a scenario for me, and I am evil as always. So take it yep. away, Emma. Uh, so yeah, Milk, you're set in seat twelve. Seat you are 12. the Serenovas, <laughs> and the situation is it is night. It is the fifth night of the game. Four players are alive at the start of the night. And let's talk about how we got here first. And as we talk about how we got here, we're gonna go over some stuff and some of these things that I'm gonna say are have happened are, I think, things that your character has done that are mistakes. So part of what I want to test you on is if you can catch what I think are mistakes All right. and see whether you agree with it. So let's start with your evil team. Back on night one, you were woken up and told that seat nine was your demon and seat six was your fellow minion. Okay, seat six is a fellow minion. Got it. Uh, you talked to seat nine on day one. They told you they were the Fangu. Fangu! They told you that the bluffs were town crier, artist, and barber, and that the, they were hoping they had a pit hag, and they wouldn't be using the barber bluff. They would be pit hagging the barber into play. Uh, they were taking the artist bluff, and they offered you town crier. Okay. Did you take so that was the bluff that you were given that your demon asked you to take you don't have to use it but that was the bluff your demon asked you to take uh i would take the bluff but i probably would avoid claiming it for a while okay yeah so uh, we'll the reason the reason for that is it's a middle it's a middling role middling roles can often claim more powerful things to try to get killed yeah okay so later in the day you learned that your fellow minion was not the pit your demon's plans were disappointed Oh, let's actually, before we get that, um, what's the barber bluff tell you? The, yeah, in so in a, in a Fangu game, having a barber bluff. Wow, a Fangu game with a barber bluff. That's interesting. It gives you some very good information, though, right? Yes, because it tells me what, what outsiders are in play. It tells me and Mute, Sweetheart, and Klutz are all definitely in play. Alright, so, as I was saying, you didn't actually talk to Seat 6 that first day, but you learned they weren't the Pit Hag, because Seat 10 nominated on day one and immediately died. Got it, so Seat 10 died to Witch Curse on day one. Yep, and on day one, they then claimed Klutz and picked Seat 11. Picked Seat 11. Alright, let's get this in the grim here, everybody. Klutz... As soon as that happened, seat eight nominated themselves and gave the following accusation. I was dreamed as the sweetheart, but, and I, so I know it's not a Vortex game because I am in fact the sweetheart. I've heard of a Math Zero, and we'll get back to that Math Zero in a second. Uh, so I don't think it's an Odashi game. The Klutz just died to a Witch Curse. So I don't think it's a bigger Mortis game. I am 100% sure this is a Fangu game. And I don't want to get jumped later. With the Mathematician in play, we can track my drunkening. Let's just kill me. I'm not doing this as a dreamer confirmed outsider. They were executed as a result. All right, fair enough. Day one X. Now let's talk about that math number. That math number was generated you think, you don't know yet at this point, but you think because you made seat one mad as the mathematician. Mm -hmm. 
And the next night, you also need seat one map for map petition. That night, seat 11 was murdered. Alright, yeah, that makes sense. Seat 11 was confirmed by the Klutz as a good player, so that makes sense to yeah. kill them. And you've later learned, learned at some point in the game that Seat 11 is playing an Oracle, who obviously never got information. Oracle never got info. Cool. That's actually really good in a Fanguki. game. Yeah. Uh, day two. Town executed. It's on my notes. Day two's execution. Day one execution. Day one death. Hmm. All right, day two, town failed to execute anyone, further proving it wasn't a four times game. Oh, interesting. So no execution on day two. Basically, they thought, okay, we got an extra kill out of the witch curse, so they decided just not to knob or do anything. Yeah. Night three, seed three died. Okay. Seed three, you've sensed learned, was the dreamer. You know, obviously, they got the sweetheart dream off. You're not. Sh you, you don't know 100% who their other dream was, but you heard it was C5. Okay. You haven't been paying that much attention to good information. That's fair. That sounds like me. <laughs> Day three. Oh, and you again made seat one mad as the math. Right, I did that for two days, right? Made seat one mad this as the math. This is your third day of making the math. Oh, I made them mad as the mathematician for a third day? Mm hmm. Without knowing well, their actual role. Yeah, you have no idea what their role is. They've been mad at the mathematician. All right, I can see. Uh, I can see why there might be mistakes. Let's carry on. <laughs> uh, day three, y'all executed the clockmaker. Where were the they? The clockmaker had a three, which is a number you obviously know is correct. Right, and where and are everyone they? Everyone else, uh, seat four. Seat four. Okay. And also seat four. Day three, seat seven also died to a witch curse. Nice, good job, witch. Uh, seat 7, you have since learned, was claiming Flower Oracle. Uh, you and the Fengu have been doing a good job voting together, so they got a yes on a day that you both voted, and a no on the other day when neither of you voted. Night 4, Seat 5 was killed. Seat 5 woke up and claimed Sage. They claimed to see seat 12 or seat 6 and seat 1 as the demon seat 6 and seat 1 as the demon mm -hmm. alright oh and you once again made seat 1 mad as the mathematician and I made seat mad seat 1 mad as the mathematician now for 4 nights in a row yes uh, that day they executed seat 6 as the sage ping everyone thought was more evil because the seat one has been getting a math zero every night. Mm -hmm. The other player alive is, of course, seat two, who you know to have been claiming savant, but you have made never talked to them and never gotten their savant information. Okay. Milk. As I mentioned, I said I think your characters made a few mistakes up to this point. Can yeah, I have. Guess what I think those mistakes are. Yeah, I've made a gigantic I've made a gigantic pile of mistakes. And gigantic pile of mistakes is making someone mad as the same role for the entire game without knowing anything about their character. 
locking them in without having any way of making a decision about this. Now, look, Sarah, locking someone as the Sarah Novus can be incredibly powerful, right? It can be a great way to deny the good team a crucial piece of information. But <laughs> in this case, I have no idea what I'm denying the good team. I have locked someone as a Saranovis, which makes the game much less fun for them, first of all. Second of all, it makes the game much less fun for me because I'm not really using my ability very effectively. And I don't have any idea what I'm preventing. I've also now gotten myself deep into kind of a well of what if this player has a powerful role that if their information gets revealed, it's going to sink us. I, I, I'm almost in a situation where I have to continue doing this just in case, which is a terrible choice. Another terrible choice that I've made is making them mad as the mathematician. Making them mad as the mathematician isn't su stupendously useless. It's not going to make them particularly suspicious to town. It's not a role that a demon would likely bluff necessarily. Like it's a middle to sort of powerful role. It's very easy for a player to just go, yeah, I'm the math, I've got a zero, and just say the same thing over and over and over again every night. Right? It's not particularly useful. Also, I know there's a mutant in this game. So if there's a mutant in this game, I've immediately noticed that nobody who's alive is claiming mutant, or nobody who's dead is claiming mutant, which means one of these two players might be a mutant. And? And if I use my Saranovus ability to make them mad as an outsider, then they're going to get forced into a real bad situation where they have to break madness and get executed. So really, my next my next job is to try to either make the mutant mad as the mutant, or get the Saranovus or get the Fangu to jump to them. So I need to figure yeah. out which of these two players is the mutant, and then. But fun stuff. It's nighttime. And I don't know where and the your demon gets to kill it. You don't get to talk to them. And I don't know where the demon is gonna go. In you and there's one more mistake I think you've made, which is C2 is claiming Savage, and you don't know any of their information. Yeah, you that's a huge problem. I have actively <laughs> avoided getting the Savant information. That's a that's a real problem, right? Savant information is look, Savant information can be annoying and difficult to parse, but you can't just ignore a piece of powerful good team information as an evil player. Evil players need to know what the good team knows. You need to go and try to get that information out of them. You don't have to push super, super hard, but you've got to find a way to get them to at least share something with you so that you can build build your world off of what they know, right? If, if the Savant has information about outsider count or where outsiders are on the, on the board, that's great, right? If I can get that information, I can use that as the Saranovas to impact, you know, the mutant who I'm literally desperately looking for and could win the game by Saranovas maddening. All right, Milk. Now, here's the challenge. Your first step, one of your challenges, of course, you have to pick who you're making mad as tonight and as what. Well, we're certainly not making seat one mad as the mathematician again. One of these two players is going to be made mad, probably as the mutant. Okay. That is that is that is one way to go with this, is to make one of these players mad that they're the mutant. But what if they're the mutant who gets jumped by your finger? That's the problem. That's the danger. <laughs> I could make myself mad, um, which makes me look 
less suspect. Does anybody know? Oh, no, nobody knows there's a Saranovis in play because seat one has been locked as the mathematician the entire game. <laughs> and what's what's my demon bluffing? Your demon's bluffing artist. So I could just make my demon mad as the artist. Um, that's the safest play here, probably. Making them mad as the artist means if they hit the mutant, um, then the mutant is uh then then the then the mutant is going to yeah so if they hit if they if they don't hit the mutant if they kill the other player then the mutant's going to be stuck uh not not being able to come out and the uh, you know my demon can push on me as like hey you know you haven't been really doing the town town crier thing very well you know or whatever and it makes me look evil and you know maybe that makes my bluff fall apart and maybe they make maybe that maybe it can pin it on me that's one possible world Another possible world is to make, uh, if I haven't been aggressively claiming to be the town crier through most of the game, if I've left town crier available, um, I could make one of the two living players mad as the, um, like, Philo, something that hasn't really been claimed, because I know all the claims on the Grim except of what, except what seat one is claiming. So if seat no one, one knows seat one, right? Isn't that fun? Yeah, yeah, it's great. So if seat one is just the mutant, then I can give them a, I can give them an out of play role um, that they can claim at this point. Um, I can uh, make the I can make the savant in seat two mad as the snake charmer. Um, that's another thing I could potentially do um, to to like try to seed some sort of weird stuff. But that could be a mutant claiming snake charmer. But that might let them know that there's a snake charmer bluff out there, like that's available. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things I can do to try to manipulate this situation. I actually have I actually have some really, really good options here. Um, safe option, make the Fangu mad as the artist. If they hit the if they hit the mutant, then they jump, uh, which is dangerous for us. But, you know, killing the artist is, you know, the artist being dead then and going, oh, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's Milk, who's, you know, probably not the town crier. That's fine. Like, I need to look as suspicious as possible tomorrow, regardless of what I do here. If so I'm if the Fangu the final call on what madness you're going to do. Though. Oh yeah, because um, there's a phase two to this scenario. Oh, there's a phase two to this scenario, which I have to do right, uh, which is probably the final day and how how I make myself look really really suspicious. Um, I think I want to. There's like a fifty percent chance your demon's jumping, right? Yeah, there's a fifty percent chance the demon's jumping. Um, I think the most useful thing I can do is make... So I think I need to hide that there's a Saranovis and I think I need to hide that there's a living Saranovis in the game. Um, which means I could just make seat one mad as the mathematician again. As crazy as that is doubling down on the same, on the same thing, which has been a mistake the whole game. At this point now, I might have the sunk cost to a point where my job is to make that player claim to be the mathematician. If the Fangu jumps to seat two, then it looks like, then I can look like I'm evil. It doesn't look like there's a Saranova still alive. We really can't let town find out that there's two evils alive at this point because it makes the player in seat one look good and it makes it look like I'm, pro there's probably a Fangu jump. So actually we do have to make seat one mad again. We can hedge our bets by making seat one mad as the barber since no one has used that claim 
if they're the mutant, they die from execution. If they get Fangu jumped to, then we're in a little bit more trouble, um, as long as town doesn't suss that world. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Yeah, that's really that's that's a really tricky one. Um, yeah, making making either of them as an outsider is sort of dangerous. Is pretty dangerous. I, uh, I think I can't. I think I can't do that. Weirdly, I think as as terrible as this as terrible as this plan seems to me in my mind, I think I might have to make seat one mad as the mathematician again. Cool. That's a terrible. Like, it's, it's terrible, like some cost. You aren't the best player. Yeah. In this scenario. Yeah. So I'm, you I'm, make seat nine mad as the artist. Of course, I make seat nine mad as the artist. <sighs> Okay. Uh, all right. You wake up, and what do you know? Seat nine is dead. Great. Milk, as I told you a few days ago, I was going to add a timed element to this scenario. Yep. Which is, seat one says, I think seat six was the Saranovis, and I think seat two's evil, because I'm not the mathematician. I'm the savant. Now, Milk... I'm going to read you five savant statements from seat one and five days of savant information from seat two. Oh, no. Then I'm going to set a four-minute timer <laughs> and ask you to tell me which one is your deep. <laughs> Amazing. I love this. Okay. All right. I'm going right. to I'm gonna do my best. I'm going to do my best. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah, this is All great. Right. So love this. So this is the seat one savant statement. I get the, I get the info and then I and then I get the timer right. The, 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 yeah, I'm not gonna have me okay. in the spot statements be part of the timer. Hang on, let me see right. seat one. Okay. All right, seat one, day one. The outsider count was modified. Both neighbors are townsfolk. Day two. Evil has targeted evil this game. Only one character change possible. Day three. A once per game ability has been used, or the demon received an outsider as a bluff. Day four. More living evils than good, or a chef that looked at townsfolk would get a three. Day five, seat 12 is the demon, seat two is the demon. Seat two's savant statements. Day one, the outsider count was modified. Three characters that can cause droidsnane are in play. Day two, one instance of madness is in play. A chef that looked at townsfolk would get a three. Day three, the fangu has jumped. Going clockwise, more townsfolk than outsiders are between the minions. Day four, you are the last living townsfolk. Taking seat one as one, and seat twelve as twelve, a demon sits on an odd-numbered seat. Day five, seat twelve is the demon, seat two is the demon. You have four minutes to parse this information and figure out which one you have to keep alive. Okay, so some of those statements, some of those statements are the same. Of course, I wasn't able to write down all the statements. You said them far too fast for me to be able to track all of them, um, which is a real problem with trying to learn ten savant statements from two players. From two on players final three. on final three, yeah. So, which is again, as we emphasize, I, I will use part of my getting the savant statements from C two. I, I will use. I will use. I will use my part of my four minutes here to say, please, please, for the love of God, try to get some information out of townsfolk before you only have four minutes to solve the game. Um, as an evil player, especially, this is a great scenario. Okay, so, um, all right. Uh, both of them have statements about the outsider count being modified. Can you just give me? Uh, can you just give me the statement from? Uh, can you just give me the two outsider count statements? Those are both day ones, and they were both the outsider count modified. 
Okay, what was the other statement for both of them? Uh, both neighbors townsfolk, three characters that can cause poison. Okay, so they both have that correct. What's the what's the day two information? Evil targeted evil, only one character change possible. One instance of Madison play, a chef that looked at townsfolk would get a three. Okay, that makes it seem like uh, seat two is the mute. Let's carry. Let's uh, can we go to the day three? Once a once per game ability has been used, the demon received an outsider's a bluff. The Fangu has jumped, going clockwise. More townsfolk than outsiders are between the minions. Second statement is true for seat two. What was seat one again? A once per game ability has been used. The demon received an outsider's a bluff. Okay. Those are both true. Uh, let's get day four. Uh, more living evils than good. A chef that looked at townsfolk would get a three. Or you are the last living townsfolk. Taking seat one is one, and seat twelve is twelve. A demon sits on an odd-numbered seat. Those are both true. Both of those statements are true. That was Savant. That was the person in C2, right? Yep. So just to make sure, the first statement was, you are the last living townsfolk? Yeah. So if they were the Savant, that would be true. And the demon sits on an odd numbered seat. That would also be true if the demon were in seat nine or in seat one. So they can't be the they can't they can't be the Savant. They can't have they can't be the actual Savant because their information uh, says that they are the only living townsfolk, which would mean that seat one would be, because uh, that was when four of us were alive, right? Yeah. yeah. Or five, actually. The, witch, that, was also the witch was also alive. Yeah, but it, that's fine. So they can't be the last living townsfolk and also have the demon be seated on seat nine, which is an odd number. Those are both true statements. The player in seat two is the mutant, or was the mutant and is now the fangu. But what about the sweetheart drunkenness? The Sweetheart Drunkenness is on the Sage, uh, who got uh, not the demon in their Sage Ping. <laughs> I don't remember who they got in their Sage Ping. They got the Witch and someone else. The Witch and the... They got the Witch in Seat 1. Well, the Witch in Seat 1. 30 seconds to spare, you parsed the 10 Savants, the 10, the 10 total days of Savant statements for the two players, five days each, and you successfully identified the jump to Seat 2. Wild. That was very hard. That was exceptionally difficult. <laughs> right. And like part of what I wanted to do with this was sort of go in. That's really to, good. Like the issues that can happen when the Saranobis chooses to use their ability to suppress information from the evil team, not just the good team. And also when minions forget to play the game, which is good players need to go and are trying to go and get information. And evil players also need to be trying to go and get information especially in SMD, where you might not know who your demon is on final day. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting there's a lot of really interesting lessons to take out of this. I actually think your scenario here is really really useful to talk about a couple of things. Um, the first is use your ability with agency, right? Uh, you see it often that people with the Saranovis ability just kind of throw Saranovis madness around the grim, and that's fine. Like if you're just having fun throwing Saranovis madness around the grim, okay. But 
it's important that you understand who you're making mad and why you're making them mad. And kind of the same thing goes for Witch here. Like this Witch was really successful and killed two people. They might've been paying attention to those players' personalities if those players like to nominate. Um, you can sometimes tell if players have like a lot of information they wanna act on by the way that they talk in nominations the day before. And if you're paying attention and listening, you can really find good places to use your ability. Um, if somebody seems like they are having a lot of chats with a lot of different people, you might want to suppress their information because they might have quite a lot of information that they're trying to spread around. Um, so that might be a good place for you to use your Saranovis ability. Certainly, Saranovising your demon as the artist is not, it's a safe play, but it's not a, it's not a great, it's not a great play here. Yeah. Right. And um, the reason your character did that, obviously, is we wanted to do the Savant Statement Challenge. Yeah, and the Savant Statement Challenge is awesome. And you know, realistically, uh, probably what I would have probably what I would have ended up doing um, was making seat one mad um, as not an outsider. Uh, probably as the mathematician again. Maybe like the choice is: Do I play aggressively and try to get a mutant to be stuck, forcing to break madness if they don't? If the Fangu doesn't jump. Or do I play defensively and make it as, as difficult as possible for town to solve uh, between the two players? Ideally, I'm trying to get killed, right? Like, ultimately, in this final three, I probably don't care as much about who the demon is because I always want to. I always want to kill me. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, but like, but not knowing all of that savant information and only having four minutes to solve it is hard and a lot, and you just have to. And like that's realistically what's going to happen uh -huh. if you're in the situation where you've chosen to avoid the savant because you didn't want to deal with savant statements. Yeah, and townsfolk, townsfolk have to do that too, by the way. I mean, we, we, you know, our townsfolk scenario kind of went a little sideways, but, you know, townsfolk have to get five days of savant information from a savant and parse it in four minutes. And that happens all the time. Or you get all the fortune teller information on the final day and also all the information from some other role. And suddenly you're trying to parse two or three different roles worth of information. Some of it's poisoned or drunk. Some of it's, you know, different different character, you know, uh, 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 some of it's lies, you know, uh, uh, evil characters making stuff up, you know? So that's like, that's like a, a really good challenge, like to test to test how quickly you can find the statements that help you. And so in this case, you know, we push on seat one and kill them, probably. Yeah. Now, because we wanted to do the Savant Statement Challenge, and that was sort of like the original idea of this exercise, I was like, you know, something interesting with SMB is you can end up with a minion who doesn't know who their demon is on final three and has to make yeah. a strategic call there. And I figured a fun way to emphasize that would be like the Savant Statement Challenge. I think but it's this, great. Of course, another option you could use to figure out who your demon is, which is, of course, you could have said, yo, seat nine, seat six, let's go have a private challenge. Yep, I could have outed evil um, and gone and talked to the evil team. Would you have considered that at all in this situation? Yeah, absolutely. In this, in this specific situation, absolutely. And there's a really important reason for it, which, you know, something that something I, I've been thinking about with this with this podcast and, and some some of our friends uh, in the uh, grim scenarios uh, uh, channel in the uh, in the in the discord on the ECG discord uh, where you're all welcome to come and join us and chat about the chat about the podcast um, but some some of the things they've been mentioning is how you know the things that we're saying might might change people's change people's ways of playing or like how they might um, change metas and things like that but one of the things I've been I've been thinking is I'm I'm wondering if it's going to change how people think about me as a player and the things that I do but I think what I want to share here is I am in a prime position to be out at evil on this grim because I am the last vote before both of these players and if I out evil 
I can disrupt this vote in so many different ways. And that's a high level strategy, thinking about voting patterns and thinking about where you are in the circle related to these things. But if it's if it's if it's if it's close on seat one, if there's enough votes to put seat one on the block and I'm the last person um, and seat one hasn't nominated, like say, let's just say seat two nominates seat one and there's three, three or four votes on seat one, right? Um, I can drop my hand, like I can leave my hand up and then drop it at the last second to make it look like seat one is my demon and like I was trying to, you know, manipulate the vote. I can nominate seat, uh, I can nominate seat two and then try to tie it and like make it look like I'm gonna try to tie it on them. Like there's a lot of things I can do to try to socially manipulate town. Obviously we can't demonstrate that necessarily uh, in our in our way of doing things, but this seating position is really strong for me. There's a lot of good players that are gonna have to make a decision before it gets to me. Seat six probably needs to keep their hand down. Uh, actually, I might need to go talk to seat nine and let leave seat six out of it. Um, to, to have seat six still have some plausible deniability, even if the town thinks that they're evil. It depends on how evil town thinks seat six is at this point in the game. Um, similarly, I might, meet, might need to leave seat nine out of it if there's any thought that it's not Fangu. So there's, there's a lot of things here that kind of you can think about um, in terms of, is it worth it to out evil just to get the information? Should I solve it myself? Can I manipulate the votes by voting on other players? Like, you know, that's, or like trying to get other players to think I'm evil and vote vote with them or vote against them or things like that. There's, there's a whole lot you can do in this situation that doesn't just involve using your character tokens ability. Sorry, I went on a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's exactly what I was hoping to make. So, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about the sort of issues with Sarah locking because it's a strategy I think a lot of new Sarah novices like to do. And besides it not being fun, like it ends up you in situations where the evil team, you're missing information that will help you win. Yeah, and I mean, it isn't fun. It's not fun for the Saranovas because you're not getting to really use your ability that much. Um, I think a lot. I think a lot of times the, the hard thing is when you have someone locked and then you go, "Oh, I just figured out that they have information that solves the game for good, and now I'm forced to lock them for the rest of the game." That's that's kind of a bummer. Like you figure out their role, or like you figure something out about them, and you know, then you're kind of kind of kind of feels bad, but you kind of you know you're just doing your best. Um, to try to win the game, but really you don't want to just like Unless there's a ton of value in town not knowing there's a Saranovis in play There usually isn't that much value in it um, It's worth it to just try to disrupt the flow of information in a variety of ways It's worth it to hunt for a mutant and see if you can make them mad as an outsider It's there's a lot of things you can you can do with Saranovis that don't just involve Locking some one piece of information down, you know the, the, the better thing to do is pay attention in late days and try to lock down a potentially game-solving piece of information for a day or two toward the end of the game rather than for the whole game. And even though everybody in town's going to go, oh, well, they're definitely Saranovis mad, what are they going to do? They still can't give out their information, you know, uh, as long as you've been smart about how, you've, about how you've used your ability. Don't make them mad as something that can give out information on the sly, you know. Yeah. Well, Milk won my scenario. I lost Milk scenario, so... Yeah, it was a tough scenario. I knew it was a tough scenario. Uh, That's and... Milk 1, me 0. <laughs> differential weeks where we both don't win. I, I, don't, so... I, don't know that, I don't know that it's worth keeping track, Emma. <laughs> I think it's probably... But uh, anyway, we'll be back next week with more sex and violence. We'll um, be back. We'll... Emma yeah, will be evil. Uh, I will be the evil player. Milk will be the good player next week. That's right. So I'll be designing the good player, Graham. And Milk will be designing the evil player game. 
I think it's safe to assume we won't be doing Star Novus Snake Charmer last next week because Definitely unlike not. in TB, there's like it's more important to have like there's a lot of different interesting things you can do with different characters. So I assume Milk will come up with something that's not the Sarah Novus, either a demon or one of the other minions. Mm -hmm. And I will certainly be coming up with something from Milk that's not the Snake Charmer. Yeah, I have um, a, I have an idea. <laughs> but thank you for joining with us. We've had real a lot of fun doing this and uh yeah. Yeah, so thanks for all the thanks for all the great scenarios. Thanks for all the great feedback is the other thing I was gonna say, but I didn't want to interrupt your outro, so I guess you do you wanna do the outro? See you next week on Crim Scenarios. Bye. We'll work on it this time. <laughs> We're doing bye, great! Bye. Can they hear us? Can they still hear us? Oops. Okay. <laughs> bye everybody. Bye.